Struggling to find the part you needed yesterday? With a massive range of 1 million in-stock SKUs available, Quotebeam just made your part search a whole lot easier. Faster checkout, tailored suggestions, and top-notch customer service. Quotebeam's got it all. Visit Quotebeam.com to learn why thousands of professionals like you are using Quotebeam to simplify their parts procurement process. Hi guys, we are live now with Daniela and Courtney's here and it's me, Ali G, and uh, Nikki's not going to make this one so it's going to be super interesting because this is not what I'm trained for and so I'm going to wing it and Courtney's here to wing it with me so it'll be fine but um, yeah, uh, I'll give a little update. I finally am, you know, closing. Uh, I know I have this contract that I got but I finally got word of it finally coming so I'm just like, okay, it's real even though I know it's real. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I'm super excited about that. I've been staffing up for that. And so I'm ready to get going. Um, low on money, like that's always fun. And so how are you doing, Courtney? <laughs> Uh, yeah, low on money. Um. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it inspires us, right, to figure out how to get money um, in different ways. I made that mistake of, like you said, you know, staffing up, but I hired people before the pipe was completely full. So that was, you know, me being enthusiastic. Time to fill it, time to fill it really hard, time to really fill fast. That pipeline. <laughs> well, we're here with Daniela Gonzalez and she's from Festo. Um, but we can talk about how we normally ask the question, how did you get into manufacturing slash automation and how did you find Festo? Yeah. So uh, it's, it's a long story. It goes way back, you know, kind of like growing up, I was always interested in how things work. I was always a very curious person. So I love taking things apart, sometimes putting them back together. Not always, <laughs> you know, and just like my favorite subjects were always math, chemistry, anything science I love. And so I, I thought, you know, this is going to be my path. And then my dad was really a big inspiration for it. He was kind of like an inventor himself. You know, he was not an engineer per se. He didn't go to school, but he had the knowledge of many engineers combined. And so he, for me, uh, you know, just watch him like how he would improve things and make machines. I remember, so he had a small marble factory for say like moldings and tiles, that kind of stuff. And when he started, you know, being a small company, it was really hard to keep up with some of the bigger competitors. And so I remember one time, like he was at the table and he was like designing stuff and like doing something. And then I asked him, you know, like what's going on? And he's like, oh, you know, there's this process that takes about I don't know, eight people or something to make this chunk of marble into a molding, like finish, right? And so he figured out how to make a machine that just automate the whole thing. And instead of having eight people, you have two, one at the end, putting the chunk of marble and the other one at the other end, just pulling it out. And like, he just kind of walked me through and he built it and designed it and like everything. And so for me, that was like, wow, like, that's awesome. And it was really like eye-opening, right? To see like automation is needed. And then eventually I did go to school for engineering. So I'm originally from Mexico. So I started for mechatronics engineering in Mexico and then I moved to the US. So I ended as a mechanical engineer out of the University of Washington, DC. And yeah, so it was for me, 
uh, I moved uh, right after graduation. So I didn't have a job and I was just kind of looking around. And then Festo came around. And because I did like a little bit of minor in German and I also had Spanish as my language. So having all the languages also like some recruiter called me and they're like, hey, like, would you be interested in like joining this company? I'm like, it looks like a cool company. So yeah, 11 years later, here I am. How has that been? That's a long time. That is a long time. <laughs> um, yeah, I think, you know, our averages have decreased over the years in terms of how long people stay at companies. And, you know, some of these companies aren't even that old. But at, at the same time, yeah, like I think, you know, three to five years is more common. And then HR is looking out for the one to two years that keep hopping and they don't want those people. But <laughs> um, yeah, what made you comfortable enough to stay somewhere you know, for that long. Honestly, I really love the people that I work with. I love their products as well. So I am a product manager. So the products that I manage and the products that they have are, you know, just great products for the industry. But for me, like really one of the things that made me stay and that makes me love my job is the people. From the beginning, you know, like starting, I was recently graduated and I knew about engineering, but, you know, I'm not doing anything yet in the automation. And I knew, okay, you know, books, but now you have to put the knowledge into real world. And so learning all of the pneumatic side and, and all of the industrial automation, and I learned with Festo. And there has not been one person that I had to ask a question that was not helpful. And that's that's a really great quality for, yeah. you know, like that speaks well about the company. And I think that like, I remember when I first got hired, I was, my opinion was like, everybody I talked to, I was like, oh, how long have you been with Festo? Oh, 10 years, five years. 20 years. And I was like, oh, wow, people stay here forever. And now I know why it, it really is, <laughs> you know, it's a family feel. It's a company that really prioritizes you, values you. And wow. and it's, it's a good place to work. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, you said your dad kind of got you into engineering. Yeah. Um, how did you decide engineering versus other, you know, versus STEM, other, STEAM? Yeah. Yeah. Um, like a so scientist. I, so robotics always was like, oh my God, this is so cool. I want to build robots. And that was like, that's what got me into engineering. And like I said, so I started as a mechanical and sorry, mechatronics engineering. So I like, my idea was like, I'm going to build robots and I'm going to make them like so cool and automate the whole processes for the company, for my dad and blah, blah, blah. I mean, he ended up closing his company before I graduated, unfortunately. Um, but I still, yeah. you know, I was going for engineering and yeah. So for me, it was always like a pull from engineering. And back when I graduated, I mean, so I graduated in 2011 and I was the only female of my class. And <laughs> it wasn't shocking because also when I was in Mexico, there were two of us in mechatronics engineering that year. So it wasn't like, oh my God, like there's engineer ladies everywhere. Not really. They, not at the time. Anyway, now I see it more and more and I'm so happy, you know? Yeah. Now there's like three instead of two. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Which is great. I mean, it is like, better. It is better. <laughs> well, you know, the question always comes up, like if you're not in an environment like, you know, industrial automation or something, and then you're like, oh, like this is a very male dominated industry. I'm like, yeah, but kind of like my whole career and my whole life has been, you know, one to 10. So 
I notice it less, but now I'm like, oh no, like there's more ladies at the stable or whenever <laughs> I go to like, you know, I visit a customer and then I'm like, oh, I go and like the designers like, oh, and I'm like, oh my God, hi, another one of us. I like, I always get super excited. And, you know, I talk about it too. So I have a couple of nieces, actually I have four nieces and all of them, I'm like, what are you going to be when you grow up? You know, we need engineers, science is cool. And I'm like, all the Christmas toys are always STEM toys. <laughs> so... I try to recruit as many as possible. <laughs> I felt like the last 10 years for me personally have been like a rocket ship of change because I literally went from being the only female in a lot of meetings in like 2012, 2013, 2014. Yeah. And I don't know where like the line was, but all of a sudden now it's like, yeah, I look around me and I'm like, I'm sitting here in an interview with only women talking yeah. about engineering. <laughs> I could not have imagined this being like a thing. 10 years yeah. ago, like, or that anybody would even tune in and listen to this. So, <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, I found this actually because I would post random things on LinkedIn and like, then I would use the hashtag, like ladies and engineer and ladies in automation or lady engineer and stuff like that. And then this came up and I was like, oh my God, there's a podcast. And so that's kind of how I found the automation ladies. And I have been following for a while, but it's interesting, like how it, it kind of builds also a bit of a camaraderie, like right away. It's like, mm -hmm. oh, you've gone through some struggles as I have. <laughs> oh, it's yeah. always the same struggles. That's what we've, that's the one thing that I think we've learned from all of these episodes is that there are a lot of similar struggles. And uh, it's good, it's good to talk about them because we're like, representation is a thing. I know we're beating a dead horse with that, but like we, it, it is a thing. And it, and other people that are younger than us look to this and they're like, oh, okay. So this is like a welcoming environment. And that's what we are trying to do, yeah. at least with automation ladies. But there's so many people trying to do this and that's what we needed is yeah. all of us trying to do this instead of just being as closed off as we have been before. And using social media, I mean, we use it to hype everything else. Why shouldn't we use it to hype this industry? Because I feel like there's a lot of glory to be had on the shop floor. And I think maybe you can talk about some of those stories. Like, can you talk about what it's like to help your customers solve some of these problems and like what that means to them and what that means to you? It's like, it's emotional. <laughs> yeah, no, definitely. So, you know, for me, part of my job is uh, I don't always interact directly with the customer. I'm kind of like the, the second level, right? So they interact with their representatives, like the sales reps and stuff. And then I'm the next person. So I'm always happy when I get to go to customers and like see what they're doing and how can I help? I remember, you know, not too long ago. So we have like a product that's very um, like innovative. It's a valve manifold, but it has kind of like flexible apps. Think like the apps that you put on your phone and then you can change it on the go, right? And okay. so they were having some like trouble with the licenses and downloading it and like commissioning. And then I'm like, okay, I'll sit with you for an hour. We'll figure it out together. Like there's gotta be something. And I just sat there and we like try to figure it out. I'm like, oh my God, I love it when like the light bulb clicks. I'm like, oh, <laughs> this is what you have to do and blah, blah, blah. And then we fixed the license problems. And then the next day he wrote me this giant email about the appreciation. He's like, no, I was able to run all of my tests and this is awesome. And thank you so much. And just like looking at what people are doing with the products also, like it's always 
awesome for me to see like, oh, I wouldn't have thought about that. You know, the applications of things where people are using the products. And then, you know, I love it when I go and see Festo in the wild. That's my favorite. So if I go to everywhere. a brewery, yeah, or like, you know, even it's like, everywhere, it's everywhere. It is. I use that phrase a lot too. It's like you spun it in the wild. You're like, in the oh, wild, right? Natural <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So we have a, so I live in New York and there's a brewery nearby. And, you know, the other day I was like, oh, you know, one of my friends used to work uh, in the back. And so I was like, hey, can I get a tour? Like I'm all always look for looking for tours and stuff and how are you doing things and so I get the tour and then I'm like oh my god you're using festo bells and then I like totally <laughs> geeked out and I'm like talking to my friend I'm like oh look like they're using my product I I train on this I do this I was such a geek and so he looks at me he's like well I would explain to you what they're doing but I think you know more than I do yeah. I'm like yeah you don't have to explain this I I know what they're doing <laughs> So it's always fun. And, you know, like I said, I love to spot Festo in the wild or when I'm watching TV and I see like the how it's made show and I'm like, oh, oh, I see a little bit of blue. That's that's Festo. And, you know, but it, it is, you know, I'm happy that I see it more and more. So it's great. Yeah. And well, we got some comments here. Yeah. Festo is the best. Festo <laughs> <laughs> is the best though. That seems to be a, uh, yeah, people are happy with Festo. Yeah. Um, I got Courtney across from me and she was saying that their trainers are amazing. Does it? Yeah. Festo didactic does, you know, like edge training and workforce development and yeah, putting money into the kids. Exactly. That's a great thing that Festo does. So we do have a whole separate section that's the didactic and it trains the workforce, right? So like our customers, maybe they get people that are not yet qualified to run some of the equipment and stuff instead of trying to find the right candidates like hey take the people you have and train them right make them the experts and so we do have a, a you know a whole area that that does this and so i'm also part of the not the didactic but i'm part of the training team because as a product manager i do get to train our sales force and distribution force to just learn about the product, learn what it does, learn the the benefits of it. And I really, that's one of the parts of my job that I really, really enjoy. It's just because I love connecting with people and I love just that interaction. And honestly, every training, I always learn. I think I learn more than they do, you know, because (laughs) you get everybody from like different experiences, different perspectives, different industries and somebody that's been doing the same thing for 40 years and somebody that just started and like all their ideas and like you get them in a in a room and like I said I always walk out and I'm like I'm pretty sure I learned more than they do <laughs> I used to I do training it. for you are and it was uh-huh. like the same story honestly I found the most challenging trainings were the ones where you had like the most disparate skill sets like you had the expert all the way over here and the absolute never touched a robot in their life over there and you got to kind of curtail it for everybody but it's always amazing to start just a basic core training and then have somebody there who knows your product better than you or starts hurling really challenging questions at you and forces you to kind (laughs) of learn something you thought you already knew but like learn it better what would you say was the most challenging thing like training is an enjoyable experience but there's things that are challenging about it and i'm curious what you think is the most challenging thing about giving somebody a good training 
So challenges for training uh, usually is, for me, making sure that the participants are getting something out of the training, but not just something, but getting what they need to get out of the training. So for me, you know, like you mentioned, you always have audiences that are very, very, like, different. It's never like people in the same level or with the same experience. And so usually like when I started training, I kind of write a couple things down. And I'm like, tell me what you want to like, what you're looking for in this training. And then I'll try to tailor, make sure that I hit those points. So for me, that's one of the challenges, but also when you have people like just people, everybody's different, right? So some people are learners are more visual. Some people are more auditory, right? And so kind of having to hit all of the different styles and making sure that I keep them engaged. And the most important thing for me is that people participate. So I don't want to just sit here and talk to your face. That's, that's the worst training I could give. Yeah, exactly. And (laughs) and I tell people, I'm like, listen, if you don't want to be here, you don't have to be here. I know that your (laughs) employer's making you do this or like, you know, whether it's a distribution team or like it's festival, I'm like, but I can make this fun. So like, give me a chance and I promise you, you're going to be engaged and entertained. And so I always encourage participation, which is one of the things that, you know, with virtual trainings, it's very difficult finding mm-hmm. ways to engage. So after 2020, we kind of shifted to a lot of our trainings being virtual. And that was a really big challenge. So like having to keep people engaged and sometimes our trainings are long. We have a lot of products and then we have to tell you a lot of things about these products, right? To learn. And so who wants to sit on like, hear me talk about it for hours and hours? Believe me, I don't want to do it in front of a screen as much as you don't want to listen to it. Right. And so that's one of the big challenges, I think, is like with training, if it's like making sure that people are engaged, are participating and then that they get something out of it, because I do want to. And like I usually like at the end of my trainings, um, like something that I always do is like, hey, if you like I ask people, what did you learn? Like, give me three things that I, you you're walking out of here. And I am always making everybody participate. I'm like, all right, I don't care. Like if you're taking a nap, like it's time for you to wake up now. Tell me, what did you learn? You know what I mean? It's just making sure that everybody's on the same page and and that they're getting something out of it. That's the best. That's the biggest challenge. You don't give them like a test or anything to prove (laughs) out there. Cause that's actually kind of like, it's not the worst thing. It's not the worst thing because then you can prove that they, you know, they said it's fine and they didn't actually get it. And I think people do that a lot. And especially like if they don't want to be ashamed, you know, and it's like this, we could just so easily teach you if you just tell us you didn't get it. So please stop lying about that because it it actually just hurts you. And you literally, we can just tell you the answer. We're we're like moments (laughs) away. Your pride is keeping you from getting the actual answer. Like, and, you, and it is something that you can understand. We can break it down for you. So trust your trainer enough to tell them that you didn't get it. You're not going to hurt their feelings. That's what they're there for. <laughs> You're absolutely <laughs> I'm right. actually a big and, fan of exercises because yeah. I personally get test-taking anxiety and have imposter syndrome and all the benign yards. So I'll sit down in front of a, before I've even sat in front of a test, my God, I hope I pass it, even though I know everything. <laughs> But exercises, like when you put a you know robot in front of me and say, hey, make the robot do the thing that I just taught you, I can do yeah. that. And I'm, I'm just curious if it's more of a, like of an exercise-based kind of, or like application-based training, or is it more of a lecture type so, of training? Actually, that's, a, that's a really good point. I, I 
usually so like at the end i have a couple slides that i have with blank spaces and i'm like all right everybody tell me three things that you remember about this product and then i kind of fill it out so i do do that we used to do i gotta put it back together but it was a lot of work but we used to do like a family feud game where we did that (laughs) but in a fun way you know we just set up people and we said okay like you're on this team you're on this team and then like now you guys like what is a valve terminal? And then you get the questions and the answers. So that was another way of making sure that people retain it and bring it back. But, you know, it's it also kind of like, you know, makes you like, <laughs> oh, we're playing a game. I'm like, yeah, we're playing a game. Do you rather me giving you a written test? <laughs> so... Oh, so yeah. like Catherine here, you taught her what a, a valve terminal was I six did. years ago. I very did. Cool. Catherine was a very good trainee. Uh, yes, uh, <laughs> when she joined Vesto and we were doing this, you know, this really big training program. And so she was one of the last few people that like experienced all of it at once. Poor Catherine. She had to be there away from home for like weeks at a time just doing the training. But yeah, I did talk Catherine that. <laughs> so. <laughs> You know what I like about that is when you go, like we were saying earlier, you go from having no other females in the room to, hey, the person, the instructor is a female. That's really cool. And six years later, she still remembers that she learned that from you. That's great. Yeah, that's really cool. Yeah, I I, I agree. So in the training group, just because of at at the moment, we have very few women in the training group, but just because it kind of goes related with like who owns the product. And right now in our product market management group, I am the only woman in the group. So there's other women in other roles, but in the product market management team, I'm the one. So nice. High five. Representing. (laughs) that's right (laughs) so i want to ask you because you're talking about loving seeing like unique applications and things or just walking in and be like oh i see my product and i'm always entertained when i remember to ask this question of a guest but what is the craziest application you've ever seen done with your products or the most unexpected like you walked in and you're like what are you doing with this thing (laughs) Uh, they were rolling pre or pre-rolling joints for that was very unexpected (laughs) it was the machine was all festo like it it was a beautiful festo machine i wish i just became an even bigger fan of festo (laughs) it was very unexpected you know and i think so i think this was in canada it was a customer in canada and so it was still like it was a few years ago. So it was still like this whole debate is like, where is it legal? Where is it not? You know, like right. this whole thing. And then I get this application. And so the one thing that they wanted to make sure is because apparently, so like the dust from the weed gets like uh, everywhere. And then it kind of makes into this grease, like the CBD oil, right? Like you get that oil. And so it could corrode and it could Ooh. ruin things. So I had you have to have kind of like food great type of products that are stainless steel that are resistant and like stuff like that so that was a really interesting application yeah it's definitely on the top 10 most interesting applications that i have seen that's a good one with festo yeah (laughs) well you know it's an industry that needs to automate and it's still kind of in murky waters in a lot of cases as far as who will perform service for them or who will sell product to them and it's still like the way you 
because I got to do a couple of projects in cannabis and I won't talk too much about like what they were, but you still handle it the way you would any other project, you know, you refer to it as product when you're talking yeah. about it. Um, although I will admit I had an eyebrow raise at one point because they stated <laughs> that they were processing like the machine they were using was processing like 20 kilos an hour. And I had the thought of like, how much do you have in this building right I, now? Do I you was at a company the same thing. And they were like, oh yeah, we got like these pallets. I was like, where are you storing? Where are you keeping <laughs> all of that? Yeah, it's just a, an interesting, but I mean, that's a, a, an industry that I think we're going to see, you know, growing right now. And I think integrators and automation folks need to kind of consider taking on those yeah. jobs. Yes. Which ones wear out Festos the fastest? I want to know that too. Which applications like, were out? I guess just highly corrosive ones or? Yeah. I mean, yes. Explosive applications. Explosive applications. So we do have some explosive proof or not explosive proof, but explosive rated uh, products. But I would say applications that are exposed to the elements. So UV is pretty like even with coatings and things like that, it, UV is pretty hard to just kind of like keep against right so anything that's exposed is one of the, the applications that i'd say like the products do wear out um, the fastest we have pretty good reliable products for anything that's like corrosive to a point um you know uh, we have a lot of stainless steel products special greases for like high temperatures or you know so typically also I will say like low temperatures, like extremely low temperatures can be detrimental to the products because you have oh. the gaskets, right? So the gaskets will become like frozen and rigid. Brittle. And so, yeah, yeah exactly. Brittle. So they start breaking. So that's why you have to kind of have the right temperature with the right grease and then it works. But if it, if you don't, then it will wear out the product faster. Do you recommend they put heaters in those panels? Like if you got yeah. valve terminals? I was going to ask if there's a recommendation for anything with that kind of... Yeah, so if there isn't a panel, it would be... They would temp, uh, sorry, typically it would be temperature control. Uh, so if you can do that when it's like extremely cold, you would have a little panel where you're trying to keep the temperature a little bit above the environment. But if, if you can, then you just know that you're going to have to use products more often. And I don't want to change subjects so abruptly, but I noticed that you cared enough to put in your profile that you are a Harry Potter nerd. I am. And I just want to know which house. Which I house am a Gryffindor. Represent. Uh <laughs> Someone asked me if I was Slytherin and I was offended. You were offended. Uh, somebody asked me too. And I was like, no, oh, I guess know. sometimes I do act like it, but no, I'm more of a Gryffindor. <laughs> <laughs> but you know like when you took the test and it's like you just made it to Gryffindor like one question and it, it was like kind of like Harry where you're like please put me in Gryffindor and like that's how I ended up here it's like the one question I'm like I know if I answer this I probably be a Slytherin so I'm gonna go here so yeah so I'm a I'm a Gryffindor <laughs> We were talking about, we had like an all hands meeting with my company and we did one of those quizzes, you know, for social types Yes. and everybody kind of landed like in the same quadrant. Oh, and I was like, it, just, it doesn't, I mean, one, we are kind of like-minded individuals, so it's not yeah. that far-fetched, but I also like to what you were saying, wonder how much people are, you know, answering questions so that they land in a certain category, you know what I mean? <laughs> yes. Like trying to predictively answer the questions that will get you where you want to go. Yeah. And I'm, you know, that type of thing, I'm wondering how, has anybody used one and properly identified themselves answering everything honestly? <laughs> 
So I wasn't. I think there was one. It wasn't the Pottermore. It was like an unofficial one that, like, I don't remember which company it was, but like they did like a social thing, and it gave you like, okay, you're like thirty percent Gryffindor, like forty percent, like they kind of like <laughs> work you into quadrants. So like, oh. I don't know if you've ever. So like, we do this for. Um, you know, sometimes like the personality test and they tell you like, okay, you're like an introvert or like, you're like a campaigner or whatever. And like, they give you like your percentages. Right. So it was like that. So I remember that I did end up with like a high Gryffindor and then like Slytherin and Ravenclaw were tied. And then it was like very little Hufflepuff. It was like barely even showed up. I'm like, okay, well, that's what I expected. So, but I see Jason is saying there's nothing wrong with Slytherin. There's nothing wrong with Slytherin. There's nothing wrong with any <laughs> Harry Potter house. Let's make that clear. If you're in a Harry well, Potter house, we like you. Like, yeah, let's not alienate any people. Here. Yes, we like all houses. <laughs> My bad. We like all houses here. That is funny. Uh, but it's interesting, you know, like you. So I have a tattoo that is a, a Deathly Hallows tattoo. And sometimes I forget I have this. And so I'll be going in life and then like people start talking to me about Harry Potter. And I'm like, how do they know I like Harry Potter? <laughs> or like before I had the tattoo, I would wear a necklace that was like the Deathly Hallows. And it's a very interesting like way that I was in Germany at Oktoberfest and I have some people come and talk to us and then ask me about Harry Potter. And then I'm like, oh my God, I like, so it connects people in a way. It's <laughs> such an interesting phenomenon. It really is. Um, well, we're forming tribes. Yes. Yeah. Like uh, Star Wars tribe. and Star Trek. I yeah. love Star Wars. I, I've never really gotten into Star Trek, but I do love Star Wars. So it's it should be no surprise to anybody on the call that I am a big nerd. Uh, and uh, so, yes, yeah, so I love Harry Potter, Lord of the Rings, uh, Star Wars, uh, all of that. I'm, yeah, nice. all the nerdy stuff. <laughs> I just like Baby Yoda. I like that trend. I don't know where that came from. Oh, my God. He is so cute. Uh, the Mandalorian. <laughs> the Mandalorian. Yep. The Baby oh. Yoda guy. I yeah, kind of stopped right. watching it, but I need to catch back up because apparently he has a name and everything, and I, I'm really far behind. Yes, his name is oh, Grogu. No. Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, my God. See, no, I no. am a nerd, guys. I told you. Thank you. I, <laughs> no, I, I, I've seen that somewhere before. I was like, oh, he has a name? I need to go back and watch because I'm, I'm pretty far. I'm pretty yeah. far behind. Um, and don't worry for anybody that knows me, like you can't spoil anything for me. So when people go, oh, spoiler alert. I'm like, it's fine. I'm going to watch it anyway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I usually wait to watch things when it's like everything is out. I'm not like the wait and then like, oh, my God, now you spoil it for me. So I usually like already know what's going to happen because I waited anyway. So, yeah, I'm the same. <laughs> have you ever had like, have you ever been wearing you know, Festo garb or something and had somebody nerd out about automation or Festo to you and run up and be like, oh, you work for Festo, I use your valves. Like the same way we do the other way. If we see that you have it, we're like, oh, you're using my product. But does anybody ever come to you and be like, oh, I love your product? Uh, you know, I think once I was at an airport somewhere and I saw another person wearing Festo and then I looked and I'm like, I don't know this person. And then they looked at me and they're like, oh, I love your products. And then I was like, oh, okay. So like, this was like a gift from like their sales rep to their shirt. And I was like thinking, I don't know. He's like, oh, Festo. And I was like, 
like, yeah. But I'm like, do we know each other? She's like, oh, I love your products, man. Like I'm in in Michigan and like blah, blah, blah. And I was like, oh, okay. I was like, my distributor, they're the best. I was like, oh, cool. But yeah, so that was the only one time. And I was at an airport in like Chicago or something. And so like, you know, we do have an office in Chicago. So it wouldn't be like very outside of the world that I would meet a person, a festival person that I haven't met before. But I was still a little confused. I'm like, usually I'm like, you know, I remember people. <laughs> I had seen somebody, I I did this myself. I'm trying to remember what it was. I think it was like a Moxa shirt or something. It was like a, you know, it, it was definitely a brand, but like somebody just at my kid's preschool picking their kid up and I'm like, ah, oh, I know that. Are you in automation? I want to talk about automation. <laughs> we're so desperate for human connection (laughs) i'm good i'm not on the clock thank you (laughs) that's so funny you know i have everything festo branded and so i do wear like festo shirts festo hats festo things quite a bit and the other day i went to the gym and i was wearing because like we did a couple of 5ks so like a team building and so we had like Festo t-shirts and they were really cool i really love them because it said like festo and then it was like running on air and it was like a cool thing you know because we do run on air kind of and so somebody was asking me they're like oh like is this like a brand because like i just like showed up with like my different festo shirts and they're like have i not heard about this i'm like oh no no i just because i also had my water make sneakers. Festo. yeah i had like my water bottle said festo my shirt said festo and then like the next time i showed up and so they're like uh and i'm like that's I, a new no, fitness gear i have a walking billboard <laughs> It's like, is this the new little lemon? I'm like, no, I'm just a walking billboard. <laughs> Pretty much. It's better. Although the yeah. nice thing about our industry, like if you attend trade shows regularly yes. or you work for a company that's really big on apparel, like about eight years ago, I just stopped buying anything but pants. Because yeah, I just get, you get a lot of shirts and polos. Yeah. Socks, yeah. Sometimes even socks. You know, I'm like, why would I buy any of this stuff? I'm just gonna wear all my free shirts. <laughs> yeah, you know, I was at Hanover Fair last year, um, and it was really cool. And so my sister loves wearing ball caps, like hats. Um, I do not really wear hats because with my glasses, it like pushes them down. So it's just never comfortable. Uh, so I like I was going around and then every vendor that had a, a hat, I would go and I'm like, can I have a hat? Can I have a hat? Because like <laughs> everywhere I travel, I usually buy a hat for my sister. So then this time I'm like, well, I didn't have to buy your hat. I just got you all of these different hats. I'm like, they're from vendors, but who cares? You got hats now. It's like, yeah, it's like. But they were really nice, you know. They have some really nice, cool stuff. So, yeah, that is a uh, that's a bucket list item to go to Hanover Mess. You need to talk a little bit more about how that was, and like, have you had to correspond with Germany, like Festo Germany, for to do anything like new product wise? Yeah, so I kind of went as a guest. I wasn't presenting or anything, so but I did have to coordinate with Festo because we do have the booth, and you can only go like if you're not working in the booth you shouldn't go at certain times when it's really busy because people are like you know then it gets really crowded uh but it was awesome so um i got to go last year because i was preparing for the launch of one of our newest products that just came out and it's a new valve terminal it's called the vtux and we're you know it's going to be the next flagship product for festo and so i got to go and just kind of look a lot it just participated as a 
an audience member to learn, but also to bring that knowledge back to North America. Because I do, so my role is Mexico, US, and Canada. So I do that for all three countries. And so it was just, oh my God, so cool. And I only was able to go for a day because I had other things that I had to do. Uh, but even, like, I, so I was going. I think I remember I looked at my steps that day and I had walked like 24,000 steps nice. just in the fair because I was just going to see like everything. And there was so many robots. I got a cup of coffee made by a robot. I got like awesome. a picture with some of the Igos robots. And then we also got to go see, they had like, Kuka had a huge booth and an ABB and they had like an application that you don't really get to see. Even if you go to the factories, you don't really get to see these applications because they're like so big, but also like so tucked in and like with the safety stuff. And they had it there. And I'm like, oh my God, like the booth was giant. And then they had this thing. And the best part is that they had the Festo valve manifolds, not the new ones, but they had the, the VTSAs in there. And I was just, once again, just like nerding out. I'm like taking videos and pictures that everything that had my product. And then I'm like, look, they do all of this with the Festo stuff. So, but, you know, obviously like in Hanover, uh, Festo is really big. And because they, yeah. um, I found out that they were one of the founders of the fair, actually. Nice. So, uh, so that's why we that. always have a big presence because they were one of the first ones to be in the fair. So, uh, yeah, so this year I, I don't get to go, unfortunately, but it's, it's going to be awesome. Very cool. Yeah. Did you see any three story booths? I've heard rumors. There's uh, three story so booths. Wow. A two story. I don't know what? if I saw a three story. Yeah. We had a two story booth. Oh, they have like guards. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. We have guards. Yeah. Cause bars. so like we have like, the, we the are secret out. stuff on the top, right? So like we leave we leave the um like the the open booth is for everything that's current, but anything that's coming up or that we have like concepts, innovation, stuff like that, then we have guards and then you have to be walked up. Like you can't just go <laughs> on your own. And then like the VIP they section. take my phone, like we can't have a phone in there. So like because you know it <laughs> is the, the the nice secret stuff. So like you go up there and oh you get champagne. To see it, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I did, you know, I didn't meet uh the founder of Festo just by total random wow. accident. He happened to be there at the time, which was really cool. Uh wow. he happened to be there and like a couple other colleagues that were there. Uh, and so like we we chatted. Unfortunately, I missed the picture by a second. So like if you look at their picture, I, I, I'm in the background before I turn around and like came to talk to them. I was like, oh man, I wish I was in the picture. It's like, that's <laughs> me. Look, I met him. Um, but no, that was that was really cool. Uh I also so like Festo celebrated their 50th anniversary of uh being in the United States last year. So we had a big party uh, in the city, in New York City, and we had the founder come up and we had, well, it wasn't the, it was the founder's son, but uh, still. Um, so we had them come up and it was, it was really cool. Uh, you know, we had the, I'm sure you've seen the, like the air penguin and the butterflies. So we had mm -hmm. like a couple of the bionics just like flying around was pretty cool oh wow no i haven't i've seen the videos for that i haven't seen those in person i would yeah, like i've to. never seen so, one in person i've now this is my second time so the first time i went to a show in washington dc and it was like um it was like a show for it wasn't like a trade show it was more like a show for science and in like just getting um like 
kids interested in science, but also like technology it was just kids. Yeah, it was it was I don't know how to call it, but it was we were there and we had the bionics. And then like so we had um, this giant tank with the jellyfish and they are so cool when you look at the jellyfish and how they're like autonomous and uh, and the movement of the jellyfish and they go, you know, based on the pressure. So they have sensors everywhere. So like you just put it in the water and then it like kind of like floats down. And then when it senses that the pressure's at the bottom, it like floats all the way up and then it kind of like oh, comes my. all the way down. It's so cool to look. And, and you know, it's like clear and it has like blue lights. So like you have the tank <laughs> and it's like illuminated. It looks really cool. And then we had the butterflies, which were a hit. So like we had a lot of people in that booth because everybody wanted to come and like check out the the bionics. And that's one of the really cool things about Festa is that so we use nature for learning. So like the bionics is not products that we make, but it's we study nature with the bionics to then come up with products. So like we did one year, I think our um, so there's a division of Festo called Bionics. And so their Bionic of the Year was a, an elephant tr- trunk. And so like with that, they have a flexible gripper come out of that. And so like... Uh, Is studying, that the gecko gripper one that like... That's not the gecko gripper. So that's called the fin gripper. But the gecko okay. gripper is cool. It's just like kind of like, yeah, wraps around things. Um, yeah, okay. that's... So I guess that's based that's on... That's a like, different the, one, sorry. The key of the geckos. No, no, but... But it's the same thing, right? Like it's it's based on um, on nature and based on on because nobody knows best than nature, and so like we really like use that to to study and to to come up with with cool products for the future. Actually, I'm glad that you mentioned that because I was aware of that, but like not aware of that. Like yeah. I've seen the you know sort of products and it's like, oh, it mimics this or it mimics that, but really it's like, no, we're studying nature because nature does it well. <laughs> yeah. It's so like hummingbirds are amazing. Yeah, every every year they have something. Um, and so I think it's every year they, they come out with a new one. Um and like, you know, we have a couple birds, we have uh an air penguin, we have a water penguin, we have the jellyfishes. Jellyfish? Jellyfishes? I don't know. Jellyfish? I guess plural fish. Gem. Fish is plural, singular. Uh, math is my strong. <laughs> math is my strong engineer <laughs> subject. Yes. I'm an engineer. I'm an engineer. Don't ask <laughs> me about words. <laughs> um, yeah. So I'm trying to think. We we did come out with a couple. Pro- so one of them was like the couple grippers came out from bionics and then um, also like the with the elephant trunk, we had a thing that like just had a special movement so it like moved in like i don't know four or five different dimensions and like just with air so everything is controlled or a lot of it is controlled with air um yeah i see that michelle saying that our bionic zoo is fantastic so um mm-hmm. i yeah i always call it as well our bionic zoo <laughs> Um, like yeah, we have so many bionics. It's like our bionic zoo. So is there is there an actual zoo I can go visit? No, no unfortunately uh, not. Someone <laughs> should make a, cool. some yeah, kind so of zoo for this. Just take note. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Like we'll have we'll have a theme park where like, all the animals will be a zoo. <laughs> I think one year they had him. Um, uh, they had the butterflies at Jimmy Fallon. Uh, was it Jimmy Fallon? Oh, yeah. Nice. 
And you got to look this up. There was this is a video. It's a funny video because he had the butterflies and then they told him like, just let it go. And he let it go. And then just like <laughs> onto the ground, <laughs> like a favorite play. He's like, oh my God, did I just break this? It was a nice, funny blooper because he really thought that he broke it. But like he did it. It was funny. It was good. But yeah, because we had, um, so you got to look it's it up. Like product is what you're telling me. <laughs> yeah, it, it was very robust. I mean, but when you, when I saw the butterflies, I didn't really know what to expect. And they are really like thin, like, because they have to be really lightweight to fly. Right. And so right. it was, yeah, I'm surprised it didn't break because he was just like chucked it down. So, yeah. That's actually um, my first question now for automation equipment is, but what will happen if I crash a <laughs> forklift into it? <laughs> you know, what what a is it with people happen. driving forklifts? That's the question that I get. And I'm like, how about we learn how to drive a forklift? Yeah, I'm going to talk about Two years ago, put a fork into some drywall. <laughs> so I can't even say anything. Yes, I, I, uh, I a year and a half point. ago. I dropped my demo UR5E on the ground from a table. No. But I picked it back up in front of everybody and it still ran. And so it's I was like, see, ran. it's a robust product. It's still good. Yes, it's still exactly. Good, <laughs> good robust products. Yes. Yeah. That's actually a great way to demonstrate it is pick yes. it up and drop it. <laughs> you want to see how durable this is? Let me throw it off the table so you can see. <laughs> But yeah, no, I mean, uh, I guess we do have forklifts running around the, the factory, so it can't happen. Where where in Mexico are you from or your family? So I am from, I was born in a, a, a small city. It's called Torreon. Um, it's not really known by many people, but most people know Monterrey, especially now that like it's getting more and more like companies investing in Monterrey. So I'm about three hours southwest of Monterrey. And I grew up there. I was there until I was 22. And then I moved to the U.S. Um, just to, you know, first it was just a year. I was going to be an au pair for a, a year. And then I decided to finish my engineering school. And then I stayed forever now. So, yeah. <laughs> But Thank I, you. I mean, from, everyone knows that. For me, because I was just <laughs> asking Allie that like ten minutes before your interview. I'm like, I don't even know how oh, to yeah. say out pair. <laughs> I know what, like, I kind of, I know what one is, but can you talk about that a little yeah, bit? Because I know course. it's an interesting experience for people getting to kind of come and experience it's a new country. An awesome experience. So an au pair, it's uh, kind of like a live-in helper. Um, so they come in and help with your children. So, uh, for example, when I came in, my family had two kids. And so you are, uh, so like you come in with a special visa and then you have to take care of the kids and then you have to work a certain amount of hours. You have to have a certain amount of time off, you know, like a, because it is uh, a legal thing and yeah. everything. And then um, you, but you also have to study. So you have to take at least one class of higher education each semester. And so that's when I took German. Uh, so I was here and then I was like, well, I don't know what to do. And my college happened to have German. So I was like, oh, I'll take German. So I took a year of German and then I really liked it. And then I kind of like continue it. But also because all of my au pair friends were German. And so, it, I, cool. so I lived in Maine when I first moved here. And where <laughs> like where we were, it was like 
probably like 20 Germans, one girl from Colombia and me. And so it was, yeah. So then like we would hang out and then sometimes they'd forget that they were not with other Germans. So they would just like start speaking German. And I'm like, Mm, okay. Um, so then when I started learning, I'd be like, oh, I know that word. Like I couldn't put a sentence together, but I would understand like random words. So that was fun. But yeah, no, being an au pair was a really cool, a really cool experience. I really loved it. Uh, for me, I got really lucky. I got an amazing family. And so I still keep in touch with the family and the kids. Well, the kids are not kids anymore. They're adults now. They're like, I don't know, in their 20s. But you know, they still send me happy birthday messages and it's still fun. And, uh, yeah. So like you spend most of your day with the kids and then you, uh, like you help, you bring them to school or if they're young, you, you take care of them. And then, um, and then you live in their, in their, uh, in their family home, uh, as part of their family. So they, they feed you, they, they give you everything, room and board, you're there. And then, Typically, it lasts a year. You can have also, I think there's also a six-month program. Uh, and then you can extend it uh, six months or a year. And so I did that for two years. And uh, so I was I was one year in Maine. And then the family was moving to Washington, D.C. So they asked me if I would stay for another year so the kids wouldn't have so much change in their life, right? Because they're already, right. like, moving to a new school, to a new city, to everything. Yeah. So they're like, will you stay? And I'm like, yeah. I'll stay. And so I did. And then that's where that's why I finished school in the University of Washington, D.C., because that's where I was living at the time. So, yeah. So I was going to go back home. And then I said, well, you know, I have to finish school anyway, whether it's here or there. And so I decided if I go to a school in the United States, I will have proven that I speak English. So when I go back to Mexico, I can get a better job because I am fully bilingual, right? So that was kind of like my shtick, but it worked out differently. And I stayed here. And then, you know, because I had a STEM degree, I could get a one-year work permit. So like after school, um, most people you can do with some degrees, you can do like an internship and that counts towards your year of work. But I waited to not do anything until after school. And so for okay. STEM degrees, if you have a STEM degree on a visa, you get to apply for a special uh, STEM work permit. And so, yeah, it worked out for me and I just, I worked and then I kind of like worked and found something else and something else and yeah, stayed here forever now. Or forever until now. <laughs> we have yeah. plans and then the universe has other plans. <laughs> exactly. Yes. I, I I always think like for me, it's so funny because I never thought I would stay here. My whole family is still in Mexico. So, you know, my mom, my sisters, my brothers, they're all there. And so I get to go. I go quite often. So I go at least twice a year. Well, not quite often, nice. but I go at least twice a year, you know, like see the family, eat the food. Uh, <laughs> my mom's cooking is like... <laughs> People are like, oh, what's the good Mexican food? I'm like, my mom's food. I'm like, yeah, my yeah. mom's food. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, well, how long is there a flight to visit home? Uh, it's actually not that bad. So uh, probably, so it has to be a connection, whether it's Mexico City or Dallas. So it's mm-hmm. about six hours total, seven hours with a layover. Oh, not bad at all. Yeah. No, no, it's not bad. So you get to go and you get to still see the family. And then, um, you know, so we also have festo in mexico and so sometimes like i'll go to mexico for uh, customer visits or to work and then i'll sneak in a home visit here and there why not i'm already you know halfway there 
But we also used to have a festival in my hometown that I never knew. And so like one time my sister was like driving around and she saw the office and then she like took a picture and texted me. She's like, you can come work here. You don't have to work in New York. I'm like, yeah. So yeah. So now that we're going to have another company. So we are opening a, a Festo in Monterrey, a new plant where we're going to have more, you know, manufacturing and stuff. So that's going to be, um, that's going to be great. And then, uh, you know, maybe I can sneak in and then it's only a three hour home, three hour drive home. So not that bad. Yeah. So three hour drive home is reasonable. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. I was going to say Nikki actually went to, uh, like at least for, I don't know how long, if it was a year, I think it was a year, but the, the Instituto Tecnológico de Monterrey. That's um, where I, I went to school. Oh, shit. Okay. Oh, okay. Well, that's that's where where I basically school, the right? MIT of Mexico. That is the MIT of Mexico. Yeah. So I started <laughs> there, but then when I moved, I had to find a, co a college here. But yeah, that's where I, I did the first two years of my engineering degree. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. It's, it's a really good school. Yeah. No, my mom did architecture. So my mom is from uh, Leon, Guanajuato. Where they make all uh -huh. the shoes. Yes. Um, oh my God. Leon is awesome. <laughs> I have some of those shoes. Um, but yeah, like handmade leather boots are um, unbelievable. Yeah. Um, and they're like not pricey at all. <laughs> uh, no, not relative. Not yeah, relative. No, it's not still relative. expensive down there. Yeah. 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 Yes. <laughs> but they're leather. They last you forever. So, like, when you yeah. think about it, it's like, you know, it's, a, it's an investment. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Everyone's, everyone keeps talking about the food in Mexico, which, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. and Mama's or your mother's food is always the best food especially if you have a mexican mom like i can vouch for that <laughs> right I was doing exactly. a nothing tastes better than my mom making me breakfast like yeah i was doing this job in tijuana that had a place across the street from where i was working that was like it was like this little tin hut that i would normally say like i probably shouldn't buy food from there but they had the <laughs> most amazing burritos and every time best. like that customer was like hey i've got an issue i was like i'm coming you i'm coming <laughs> i think you could fix it on the phone i'm like no it's two hours yeah. no, i i gotta make I'm sure going. that i fix it right i gotta make sure i, I see it <laughs> like i need menudo and pozole oh my and, god yeah. Uh, yeah especially now in the winter it's like <laughs> yes so actually, story. for me, if I want to drive to TJ in California, it's like a two and a half hour drive for me. I was just gonna and ask the you, how far is were it? good enough that I have considered digging <laughs> my passport out of my glove box and shooting just across the border. Quick burrito trip, just like for that burrito. So like, there's, a Parker, there's a Parker Hannafin in California that's like in San Diego, like very south, but like. If you come out of the facility, if I threw a rock hard enough, it could land in Mexico. And anytime wow. I was anywhere near that facility for any reason, <laughs> I would have those burritos on my mind. Because my if it weren't for the line, you know, to get across the border being if as it long as it is, for my, the border. I just, yeah, but look at that border crossing. <laughs> well, because the line at, uh, yes. where I cross the Bowtie Mesa and the line is just always crazy long. 
Yeah. Except during the pandemic. It was really easy to cross during the pandemic. <laughs> yeah, it was really easy to travel during the pandemic if you were brave <laughs> enough. I, I think I was one of the few people that flew around that time. So I was like yeah. flying uh, for... You On know. half empty plane. God. Yeah. Oh my God, it felt awesome. It was like, I have a private plane. Literally one it was time... like private airports too, if they were small yeah. enough airports. Yeah, they you know, were. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> one time I like, I didn't have the pre-check printed on my on my uh, boarding pass so i went to the counter and then i was like hey like the, the pre-check didn't show up and then like the guy looked at me he's like honey it's you only you at the airport i'm like yeah but i want to take off my shoes and take out my laptop i'm like can i just like have the pre-check printed but he looked at me like you're not gonna save any time i'm like yeah but i want to take off my shoes. i just don't want to yeah, take out my laptop <laughs> i know it's like it's too much work can i just like have it please and yeah but like the plane one time i did fly and it was like me and another passenger and like four flight attendants and i'm like cool uh this is awesome <laughs> yeah, that's like your own private jet basically yeah <laughs> like thank yeah. you i'll have a yeah yeah no it was interesting but yeah so you are very close to the border then and where yeah, are you Ali? I'm, so, I'm on the other side so i'm really close to the border of canada, canada. and there's some food i could go check out out there i do i do still have a passport <laughs> yeah, um, I, I hear poutine is great <laughs> yeah oh, yeah really cheese curds and gravy yes. yeah what can go wrong with cheese curds? Anything with cheese curd is, is exactly what I want in my life. I love cheese, so yes. <laughs> I'm actually I'm going to Texas uh, next week, and okay. obviously, like Texas barbecue is one of like you know the famous the barbecues. Um, yeah. Well, everyone, some people say that, and then the, there's a bunch oh, of people who are just like, no, like it's Kansas, Kansas City barbecue, yeah. or it's Memphis barbecue, or it's oh, the Carolina barbecue. Good, actually, but <laughs> I really like the spiciness of Memphis, yeah. but okay. uh, that's because I'm Mexican and I just want to eat jalapenos with everything. Um, but yeah, that doesn't mean that I'm not going to enjoy really good barbecue because it's really good. Cute. But yeah, it's really funny how people get all defensive about stuff like barbecue. About their um, barbecue, barbecue, yeah. their football teams. What else do people just like can't? Oh, you want to have a fun one? Because I'm not included in this group. But tell <laughs> another Californian that In-N-Out isn't that good. Just watch their face. Watch their face explode. That's funny. <laughs> That's funny. They're geniuses. If they can have one thing on their menu, it's like, oh, yeah, you can add a patty. Like, it's one thing. And, like, milkshakes. Yeah. And everyone lines up for, like, an hour. They're like, this is worth it. This is where every day I'll just wait in this like ridiculous line. And a lot of you people are like, I'm in that line. Have you tried the burger? There's a reason people are waiting in that line. Like, it's not just because they can't go to Taco Bell. Like, there's a reason that they sit in that long ass line for one, like, yeah, one, one, one burger. There's one, there's only one product. One style, like, what are yes. you going to have? Are you going to have burger or the burger with two patties? Like, well, you know, and you can't do animal stuff. the whole menu. There's like a whole, there's there a whole is, but it's like, it's everything is secret. Yeah, exactly. In and out yeah, Steven exactly. Rogers doesn't think it's that good. <laughs> I don't. Honestly, I don't disagree. A hamburger is a hamburger, but then I make the other side freak out because I'm like, "Whataburger isn't that good either." And then people are like, "Oh, I don't like Whataburger." But, um, <laughs> like, we're getting towards the end <laughs> of our show, and at the end of our show, we normally ask our guests, "How can we contact you?" and "How can other people come find you?" 
I actually asked someone that recently and they were like, don't. And I thought that was really funny. So it's actually not necessarily that you have to like correspond with people after this show. But if people, if, if you're open want. to it, if you're open to it, I can awesome. reach out to you. That's awesome. So I am on LinkedIn. So I'm on LinkedIn. So I am Daniela hyphen gonzalez hyphen Olgren. so you can find me there uh that's like my direct link but also uh, my email at festo is daniela.gonzalez at festo.com so if anybody wants to contact me and chat a little bit about vals or about harry potter or anything else i'm uh, i'm game yes both yeah. yeah of course both i'm always game so yeah no but yeah i'm on linkedin so you find me there i'm gonzalez Olgren there and yeah thank you for having me this was a lot of fun yeah, this was really yeah, good. This was a great we didn't conversation. do that bad without Nikki. Like, we did okay. Like, she'll be we proud did. of you. Yeah, <laughs> she'll be I proud. think she'll be good. Yeah, we got into Harry yeah. Potter and barbecue. Um, it was okay. It was and great. Bionic yeah. zoos. So, <laughs> I mean, thanks that, everyone. That's <laughs> All right, thank you. <laughs>